The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. Who rules over you? Simply find out who you are not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH. I'm Andy, your host. And before we introduce today's regular co-host, I've received this email from a listener called Laura in Holland. Um, it says Zoom Bible study of Doctor Day has been stopped by Zoom. This is what Doctor Day mailed to the students. The Bible study is cancelled for tonight, November the 21st. This afternoon, Zoom suspended my account for hateful conduct, but they haven't told me what hateful conduct I am guilty of. Possibly it is that I tell the truth. I'm in the process of trying to find out why I have been suspended. Now, I mention this because regular uh, listeners will know Dr Lorraine Day is on with me every month. I've... Uh, mentioned her Bible studies, as I mentioned her websites, drday.com and goodnewsaboutgod.com on the show. I've never seen any. I don't actually have Zoom, so it'd be difficult for me to do so. So I don't know what was in them, but I would be very surprised if there was something that uh, I would deem hateful in there. I would think that it's something out of the Bible that some people would rather not be um, talked about. But I don't know because I've not seen them. Neither does my friend and guest today, Dr. Peter Hammond, know because he's not seen them either. I'm just mentioning it in case any of you are wondering where this is so you know that the account has been suspended and don't waste a lot of time looking for something, particularly the November the 21st Bible study that does not exist. Obviously, if I get any updates, I will pass them on to you on this show. That being said, today is Thursday, so it's time for our weekly visit with Dr. Peter Hammond. Let's bring him up right now. Peter, are you with us? I am with you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And what we have for you today, or what Peter has for you today, is the real story of standing up for truth in a fake world. I'm going to be very interested to see where Peter goes with it. I've got some ideas. I'm sure many of you listening have got some ideas where he might go, but he always surprises us. So, Peter, please start us off today. Andrew, it's not easy living a real life in a fake world (laughs) and our world is so fake the more you look at it the more fake it is and the world today is so fake that it's the truth now that offends people people are more offended about the truth than are about the fake and it's much easier to deceive people than to convince them that they have been deceived 
and truth is now being labeled as hate speech by those who hate the truth. And, you know, just take, for example, uh, news headlines uh, this uh, last week. Russian missiles strike Poland and Putin's missiles kill Poles. Now, you would think that there was an intentional, deliberate opening up of the Western Front and uh, uh, Russia's now sending in first strikes. If they're sending missiles, I mean, if, if Russia wanted to attack Poland and destroy Poland, you'd think the first missiles would be hitting the aircraft, uh, the Air Force bases, the anti-aircraft installations, their defensive mechanisms, uh, maybe factories and bridges and key things like this. Uh, but it turned out instead of Russian missiles striking Poland, it was a single missile. Instead of striking anything strategic, it killed two Polish people, which, of course, is always tragic uh, when innocent people get killed. But uh, then we realized it's only one missile and it wasn't even a Russian missile. In fact, it was a Ukrainian missile. Um, but the solution is it's still Putin's fault, uh, even when it came out that it was a Ukrainian missile gone wrong. Um, some people suggest it might have been deliberate false flag, uh, but whether it was deliberate or whether it was accidental, the fact still is unquestioningly it was a Ukrainian missile, a single one, and it didn't strike some massive strategic key place uh, such as you know, blowing up the Nord Stream uh, pipeline was strategic or the bridge in into Crimea. I mean, that's a specific strike. Uh, but this this was obviously a rogue missile or missile that went astray. So at best, it was an accident. At worst, it was a false flag. Um, but nevertheless, uh, what you have here is talk about fake news. Because when you see the headline, you think, Russian missiles strike Poland. You know, Putin's missiles killing Poles. Well, you know, it sounds like Russia's now attacking NATO and NATO's got a response. We're about to be into the Third World War and um, there's going to be an interchange of missiles. It's just total fake news, fake on, on so many levels. And the solution, the solution is, bear in mind it was a Ukrainian missile that struck Poland. The solution is send more missiles to Poland as to Ukraine. Not very logical, but anyway. We have fake heroes. I mean, just think how there was a time that you'd go to the movies and they'd have films made on a great people, uh, whether it was in the Bible, like on King David or uh, Samson, uh, or whether it's on great characters in history like King Alfred the Great or Richard the Lionheart. Um, you would have uh, films made on General Charles Gordon and Last Standard Cartoon, you know, real heroes. Now it's mostly fake heroes, you know, like the whole Marvel comic, Captain America, Superman, fictional heroes. And it's quite bizarre. You sort of wonder, why don't we have our media focusing on real heroes like King David or David Livingston or Henry Morton Stanley or Christopher Dolphus, Richard Lionheart, King Alfred the Great? Why, why must we only have fake heroes? And they're so unrealistic. But then again, we've got fake money. We've got fake history. We've got fake leaders. We have fake governments. We have fake pandemics and we have fake vaccines. Uh, so much in the world is fake. In fact, people are becoming more and more fake. The leaders of governments are so often fake and fictitious and hypocritical. During a recent visit to the Imperial War Museum in London, I examined the Secret Service exhibits and I could not help but notice the sharp contrast between the villains depicted in the James Bond 007 films and books and the real enemies of the realm. Because... Here's the facts. When you look at the Imperial War Museum, this uh, Secret Service exhibits, 
You see that MI5 and MI6 was riddled with high-level KGB infiltrators, Kim Philby, Guy Burgess, uh, Harry Hutton, John Canecrust, George Blake, Donald McLean, Jeffrey Prime, Anthony Blunt, Sir Roger Hollis. I mean, but no 007 film, and it have been a lot of them, has ever really tackled that reality, that MI5 and MI6 was riddled with KGB agents. And that M, at the time of the early Bond films, was actually a Soviet agent, would make an explosive plot, but they've never gone there, never been dealt with. You take British physicist Dr. Alan Nunn May, arrested in 1946 for betraying nuclear bomb technology to the Soviets. And Klaus Fuchs was also found to have betrayed atomic secrets to the Soviets. That's never been dealt with in a 007 film. The IRA, the Irish Republican Army, terrorists targeted members of the royal family. The government of Great Britain repeatedly. The IRA murdered the Queen's cousin, Lord Mountbatten, in 1979, bombed the Conservative Party caucus in Brighton, narrowly missing Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher in 1984. The IRA bombed the Old Bailey's Courthouse in 1973, London Stock Exchange in 1992, the Household Cavalry in Hyde Park in 1982. There was the IRA attack in Gibraltar in 1988, uh, not to mention uh, all the other different uh, dramas that have taken place. But I cannot recall one of the many 007 films that ever tackled the IRA or Irish Republican Army terrorist threat. Take the Falklands War, 1982 war with Argentina over there invasion of the Falklands, that's never been the theme of any Bond film either. It could have made a great backdrop to an interesting plot. But despite Muslim jihadists targeting commuters in London in the coordinated 7-7-2005 bombings, numerous other outrages, I'm not aware of any James Bond film that's ever recognized Islamic jihadists as a threat to the realm worthy of the attention of MI6. Well, why would that be? Um, the villains of fiction, and this is the thing, we don't only have fake um, allies, like in the Soviet, the Soviet Union was described as our friend and ally in the Second World War, uh, we have fake enemies too, and uh, we have fake villains. In Dr. No, the villain's a rogue scientist in Rush, from Russia with Love. The villain is Rosa Klebb, a KGB agent, but actually working for uh, Spectre. In Goldfin, and Goldfinger, it's actually a businessman who's the villain. In Thunderball, uh, it's Spectre, a fictitious crime syndicate. A you only live twice against Spectre, the villains. Uh, Majesty service, um, Ernst uh, Blofeld is the eccentric villain. In Diamonds Off Ever, again, a fictitious Spectre and Blofeld appears. In Level It Diets, Caribbean and drug lord, Mr. Big, and President Karanga, who are the villains. Man with a Golden Gun, it's an assassin, Scaramanga. The Spy Loved Me, it's Carl Stromberg, a businessman. Interesting. And in The Spy Loved Me, the KGB are the allies of MI6 and 007. Uh, in Moonraker, it's uh, Hugo Drax, a businessman, who's the villain. In Four Years Only, it's Aris Christosis, the smuggler, the thief, who's the villain. And the KGB make a showing, but more as competitors than the real enemy. Uh, in Octopussy, it's Kamal Khan, an Indian businessman and general, all of a rogue Russian general, who are the villains. So at no point are the Soviets or the KGB actually the villains. If it is a KGB agent, it's a rogue agent. So in Living Daylights, it's General Gorgi Kozov, a uh, rogue uh, KGB agent, and Brad Whitaker, an American mercenary. They are the villains. And here in the Living Daylights, the Muslim Mujahideen appear, but as heroes and allies in a fight against the Soviets. In License to Kill, the villains, a Panamanian drug lord, 
uh, Franz Sanchez. In Gold Knights, an ex-MI6 agent, uh, Alec 006, and Zena Onatop, a rogue Russian agent to the villains. Tomorrow Never Die, it's a media mongol. It's actually um, Elliot Carver, newspaper uh, magnet, and General Chang, a rogue Chinese officer of the villains. So Red China is never the enemy. In fact, they, they're allies. In The World Is Not Enough, it's Renard uh, Zokas and Electra King, a businesswoman who the villains. Die another day. It's a rogue North Korean colonel. Can't even be a North Korean. Um, North Korea is not the enemy. It's it's a rogue North Korean colonel. And an MS6 double agent, Miranda Foss. They're the villains. Casino Royale. Sheffrey, the sinister Mr. White. They're the villains. And Quantum of Solace, Dominic Green, General Medrano of Bolivia. They are the villains. Skyfall, Royal Silver, an ex-MI6 agent who's the villains. So according to the British filmmakers... The real enemies of the realm are not the IRA, not the Muslim jihadists, not even the KGB. Only in From Russia with Love are the KGB directly the enemy, and that's in the book. In the film, it's not it's not the KGB, it's it's Spectre. In most other 007 films where the KGB appear, appears, they're as much victims as the British, and frequently they allies in combating the real threat, which appears to be a fictitious Spectre, Drax Metal, Stromberg Shipping, assorted capitalists, and even journalists. Even when dealing with North Korea, it's not the North Korean dictatorship that's the enemy, it's a rogue colonel. Now, it's hard to avoid the conclusion that the filmmakers were afraid to alienate any potential audience. Therefore, they shied away from the real enemies of the realm, such as the IRA, perhaps so as not to offend the sensibility of those Roman Catholics who sympathizes of the IRA, and Muslim jihadists, so as not to upset any potential Muslim investors and audience members. Well, Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We have fake leaders. The leaders of our governments are fake. They're fictitious. They're hypocritical. They project an image of themselves, which in reality they're far removed from the picture that they create themselves. They promise one thing. They deliver another. They pretend to be of one political persuasion to get into power. For example, pretending they support Brexit. And then when they do get into power, it becomes obvious that their beliefs are the diametric opposite of what they promised they were. We will cut taxes. Read my lips and all of that. And then once they get into power, what do they do? They increase taxes. They profess to be motivated by pursuit of justice and fairness. But the actions prove that what they care about is amassing more power and influence and probably fortune for themselves too. Ordinary citizens, the little guys, stand little chance as all appointments and contracts seem to go to the corrupt. Many politicians adopt positions of strength that are dutifully promulgated by their spokespeople, but when they speak without their teleprompter, they're shown to be actually weak and ill-informed and sometimes unable to string a few coherent sentences together. They mandate a course of action for their citizens, such as lockdown, lunacy, masquerade, madness, and so on, which they don't follow in their own lives, when they think nobody's watching, they're having these party gates and all the rest of it. They create regular down-to-earth images of themselves and portray themselves as hard-working people who can empathize with and identify with the concerns of the citizens. While in truth, these politicians have greatly enriched themselves and they live lives far removed from those they seek to govern or rather exploit. Unqualified people are promoted to high positions and it's not surprising so many of us are now disillusioned because those people who believed in salvation by politics must be seriously disillusioned because uh, when you think 
if you can just vote on this person, if you can just elect that party, if you can just win this, then pass this legislation, then we will be saved. Well, salvation by politics proves to be a false salvation and a false hope. We wonder how is it possible that such a group of frauds and fakes and hypocrites and lies can be permitted to lead any country. The United States now has a fake president who regularly demonstrates his lack of intelligence, ruining his country's economy, bringing the nations much closer to nuclear war with Russia. But it's not only politicians and leaders who fake. Increasingly, we have fake people. Many people we encounter are flippant with the truth. They create fictions about themselves. They try to lead their lives according to these fabrications. They project images of wealth and happiness and so much else, while in truth they might be broken, broken. Such is the way of the world. But we're about to be morphed into a new extreme. We're living in a fake world. We've been told that society's next frontier is the metaverse. That's it, the metaverse. The way they explain it is thousands of developers and dozens of huge cutting-edge companies are busy at work creating a metaverse, a real world that exists on the internet and in people's minds, in which the users live their lives through creating avatars. That's the term they use. That's, by the way, a Hindu term which comes uh, through reincarnation ideas, but basically it's when some god uh, can live through some human being on earth. It's basically where your real self um, occupies another body. And in many cases, we'd understand this from biblical point of view as, as people being demon-possessed. But they, you take this, this Hindu word avatar, it was one of the most expensive films ever made, was called Avatar, which projected this Hindu concept, where you actually live your life through some other body and which are graphically images of themselves. So what you're getting is now fake personalities. In this fake society that's being developed, people are going to be living through personas they've created. They will go to stores and buy homes and property in the metaverse world. They meet other people there. For example, instead of traveling to a city to meet your date, your avatar meets your date's avatar in the Starbucks store in the metaverse. You have your conversation, you go back home all while lying on your couch. Now, Personally, I think it's better to climb a mountain than to watch a film about someone climbing a mountain. And it's better to have a date than to um, project that you're having a virtual date through the internet. I, I don't understand this vicarious living through fiction, but this is where things are going. You can be everything that you're not. Until now, people who couldn't make it or succeed in real life lived vicariously through their sports heroes, through their teams, as well as through creating stories of themselves living through. But that may no longer be necessary because people will be able to create themselves their own virtual life. So says Zuckerberg. While all this fiction may sound bizarre to you and I, it's essentially an extension of the fiction that is in the world in which you're living. Well, previously, that might have sounded too far-fetched. Just look at the change that have overtaken the criminal justice system. Think back to 2020 when churches could be locked down you could be locked down, your business could be closed, your association, your clubs, your churches closed. But BLM crowds could loot and burn and destroy billions of dollars worth of material and equipment and loot and not even get prosecuted for it. And then you realize uh, that a lot of what we took for granted um, cannot be anymore. There's no guarantee that simple common sense and notions of the right of self-defense and the communal good will guide the laws of even a cultured and educated land. And you have people being arrested who haven't committed a crime. You've got people who did heinous, violent crimes uh, who are somehow immune from prosecution. And you can have 
veterans of the US military and living on the streets, and then you can have illegal aliens being set up in hotels and um, whisked into the country and given more access to medicine and free things than the citizens who've been paying taxes can. It's bizarre. Isn't it fascinating, though, how in today's world, most people don't actually know the names of their neighbors, but they feel connected to strangers in other parts of the world thanks to social media. How strange is that? Social media makes us behave in ways we normally wouldn't in order to impress people we don't know and probably don't even care about. I was just thinking about this on Sunday when I was visiting a neighbor of ours and we were sitting in the garden uh, with their cats and amongst their plants and uh, discussing their home and, and uh, ours and what's gone on. But I mean, this sort of thing of actually visiting your neighbors on a Sunday afternoon, it's going out of fashion. It used to be normal, but now people are be sitting on their phone uh, living a virtual digital life with people they've probably never even met. And the confusion starts in school when we're faced with peer pressure to fit in. And heaven forbid if you stand out and are different in any way. It's not only peer pressure. It's also parents and politicians and teachers who are striving to mold us into who they think we should be. And as adults, we confronted with images of perfection, apparently well, what Hollywood and, and marketing companies think is perfection. And there's social media influencers who are supposed to know more about you than you know about yourself and how you should live your life. And advertisers, PR companies, are teaching you to be dissatisfied with who you are, dissatisfied with what you look like, dissatisfied with what you wear, dissatisfied with what you drive, dissatisfied with where you live and how you live and what you should do, you really need to buy their product or purchase their service if you want to be satisfied and fulfilled. We're living in a society that celebrates superficiality. As a result, we actually wear masks. And I'm not just referring to the masquerade muzzles that they were trying to make mandatory during the COVID cult. Uh, no, there's another kind of mask that we wear, which we compel to wear, pretending to be who we really aren't and to believe what we really don't believe. And many companies don't want their employees to bring their souls to work, leave your religion at home. So everyone's being forced to wear masks, but we shouldn't confuse the mask that we bullied into wearing with the person we really are. I know people who are at university and a good friend of mine, she's a double doctorate, a top class scientist. She had to regurgitate the lie she did not believe about evolution and so on in order to pass the exams and to get her bachelor's, master's and doctorates in science. Uh, otherwise, she would not have uh, passed because if she wrote what she knew was true and uh, what she really believed, she would have been failed. And so people are forced to regurgitate lies in order to be accepted or to be employed or to be graduated. How fake is that? It takes honesty to be authentic, but it takes more than honesty to be authentic. It takes great courage to be honest, to refuse to bow to pressure, to determine not to follow the herd, not to pretend to be someone or something different. An authentic person must speak the truth even when it's not popular. The fact is, there's only two genders. Marriage can only be between a man and a woman. We need to be courageous enough to break with a politically correct narrative, conquer our fears, find our focus, resist tyranny, and say no, no to the masquerade madness, no to the lockdown lunacy, no to salvation by vaccination, COVID cult. We need to develop the mental toughness to resist intimidation 
and disinformation and propaganda and peer pressure. Is this information true? Or is it merely a views magnet? Is this just clickbait? Since our attention is the scarcest, most precious resource in the current economy, we need to protect our attention at all costs. We need to avoid those articles that look like clickbait. And we need to steer clear of anything resembling propaganda or scams. But because of so much um, of the fake news that is out there, we need to be careful because we may come across material that's solidly researched and real journalism, but we may be in danger of discarding the truth as well because we're so used to the fake, uh, we might miss the true and the real. So we need discernment. We need to be alert. There are some books where every page opens your eyes and makes you a better, more informed person. But the other books, which are nothing more than a blog post filled with fluff and anecdotes, if not distractions and defilement and disinformation. And this is not a new trend either. Shallow, anecdotal-based books have been amongst the bestsellers for almost half a century. Something being bestseller doesn't mean it's re worth reading. Just like Oscar awards for um, uh, films at Hollywood, it's, it's just a self-congratulatory um, um, mutual back-scratching, back-slapping society where a bunch of millionaires swap gold statues with one another. I'll give you a gold statue this year, you give me one next year. And it's, it's basically the industry themselves promoting their vile garbage and propaganda and filth and defilement. And they pretend that this one is worthy of an Oscar. And some of it is just really vile, filthy, blasphemous, disgusting perversion. And they pretend that there's something artistic about these things. And this is what we are reaching. We need to say no. We've got to resist these things. And it's not necessarily that everything out there in the bestseller list is fake, but many don't tend to bring much depth or information or insight either. You see, raw information is actually cheap. Understanding is valuable. Participation is most precious. And Many videos, many articles, newsletters are nothing more than marketing tools crafted by someone skilled in manipulation. We've all received those ubiquitous emails in the inbox. You have won a fortune. Somebody wants to donate millions to you. This product will cure cancer. There's all kinds of counterfeit drugs and fakes out there. And the amount of things, especially coming out of Pakistan, India, and, uh, and Nigeria, uh, absolute scams. And we have got to be careful because on the internet, as everywhere else, there are people who are trying to separate us from our money and so on. There's fake news. I mean, we know about fake news. The mainstream media and the news is essentially corporate infotainment. The MSM or mainstream media is watering down the news, make it entertaining to further distract you from things of real significance. It said, when the media has a focus, look around for the real news they're trying to distract you from. And this is the problem. There's nothing balanced, impartial, fair about mainstream media news. I mean, if you really want to um, be distracted and defiled and given false news, then you turn to CNN, the Communist News Network, or BBC, the Bolshevik Broadcasting Corporation, and uh, you will get disinformation. Slime Magazine, Newspeak, Useless News and World Report, the Sunday Crimes. I mean, yes, notice how the news media in the West is dominated by a handful of for-profit corporations who are legally bound to provide a return on investment to their shareholders. This means the news is to promote the agenda of the corporate owners, especially the military agenda, and to censor stories which could hurt their political allies and advertisers. For example, US, um, former U.S. Senator Robert Kennedy Jr. 
says that Big Pharma are the biggest contributors of funds for advertising on the mainstream media. I mean, talk about conflict of interest. Do you think that might affect them somewhat in reporting on uh, or not reporting on injuries caused by uh, and deaths caused by their vaccines and so on? Much of the news is literally fake. I mean, literally green screen stunts where they pretend to be such as the CNN green screen crew who pretend to be bombed in Saudi Arabia, but are actually in a studio. There's no end of lying. Alongside the fake news comes the fake journalism. Mainstream media journalists today are not the true investigative reporters of the past. There might be exceptions like journalists who are now working independently, having been fired probably, but those are few and far between. Most journalists function as little more than parrots repeating the corporate party line, and they are not allowed to rock the boat for fear of losing their jobs. The White House strictly controls who has access to the president and other officials. In general, if you want more access, toe the line, ask easy, softball questions that make the politicians look good. Additionally, the US government admits it makes video news releases and prepackages news for the mainstream media, who then broadcast these releases as news without disclosing to the viewers that the piece were pre-made by the government. US military and security agencies have whole departments dedicated to feeding disinformation and propaganda to mainstream media and guiding Hollywood to make films to advance the political or military goals of the enemy, to demonize this group, to um, make heroes of that group, to push this issue, to ignore that issue. Some Hollywood films are nothing more than thinly veiled recruitment drives for the Army, Navy, Air Force, or even for the CIA. Along with fake journalism and fake news, you've got fake entertainment. For fakery and superficiality, look no further than Hollywood and the entertainment industry. Hollywood and some parts of Southern California are about as shallow as it can get. Their dominating culture dictates what's more important. And it's far more important what you look like than what you are. It's far more important who you hang out with and are seen with than what you know. And it's far more important what you own and what's in your bank account than how you may have benefited the world. Hollywood's film and music industries are endued with humanism, occultism, and Satanism. And this is easily seen when you see the influence of heavy metal, rock, hip-hop, rap, and look at the Illuminati symbology in the music and the videos. And consider how major sabbatans and occultists like Harvey Weinstein sponsored so many films and required so many Hollywood stars to prostitute themselves literally to him so that he would make them rise and uh, place them in these positions where they would become stars. Prostitution and pedophilia is rife throughout Hollywood and mind control. I mean, there's a lot we could say about that, but talk about fake entertainment. A lot of entertainment has been produced by people who promote blasphemy. Hollywood's the greatest blasphemy producing factory and industry in the world and promote perversion and fake heroes, fake villains, and so on. Along with that comes fake corporate PR and advertising. I mean, a lot of public relations, honestly, it can make you sick. The generic, we care, fake, feel-good commercials made by slick marketing departments of the corp corporatocracy trying to get you to associate them with or their brand with happiness, caring, giving, equality, or some of the value they choose from a list. They use marketing like a psychological weapon. Why does Big Pharma always show beautiful models and happy retired people and bouncing dogs and smiling babies to peddle their dangerous, poisonous, side effect-laden drugs? 
Many corporations are soulless entities. They're pitting of fakery. They have fake persons and they have the rights of people, but they don't have the responsibilities of any. They're indemnified against liability. You get fake medicine. Big Pharma is a major force behind Western medicine, and Rockefeller is the force behind both of them. With its smorgasbord of synthetic drugs and vaccines and surgery and chemotherapy and radiation, Western medicine, or allopathy, has earned the dubious honor of killing hundreds of thousands of people every year. There are different studies. For example, the year 2000, Dr. Barbara Starfield found that Western medicine kills at least 225,000 people per year in America. A 2003 study by Dr. Gary Null and others found that allopathy actually kills more like 783,000 people per year in America. And so um, you can take, for example, Starfield study, um, Western Medicine America, just America, causes 12,000 deaths from unnecessary surgeries, 7,000 deaths from medicine errors, medication errors, 20,000 deaths from other errors in hospitals, 80,000 deaths from infections acquired in hospitals, and 106,000 deaths from medicines. Correctly prescribed, FDA-approved medicines kill 106,000 people every year just in America. And Dr. Null, in his study, concluded that Western medicines causing over 37,000 deaths from unnecessary procedures, 32,000 deaths related to surgery, 98,000 deaths from medical error, 115,000 deaths from bed sores, 88,000 deaths from infection, 108,000 deaths from malnutrition in hospital, 199,000 deaths related to outpatients, another 106,000 deaths from adverse drug reactions. Now, these are all before the COVID cult, lockdown lunacy, salvation by vaccination uh, cult. So who knows, the, uh, the stats are still out in that one, but it's rising dramatically. You know, sudden death and died suddenly, and uh, you can check the films and documentaries out in that. But with antibiotic drugs becoming more and more useless in the face of rising superbugs, you've got to ask why the entire medical system, based on masking symptoms, managing illness, getting patients on some hamster wheel of pill after pill after pill, can really constitute true healing, or is it just fake? Well, fake medicine, unfortunately, is a reality, and it kills people. There's fake scientific research that goes along with this, because backing the Rockefellers Western Medicine Big Pharma Cartel is a massive pile of fake scientific research. Uh, like we have all these kinds of studies um, where gambling casinos organize uh, investigation which prove that gambling doesn't cause gambling addiction and cigarettes don't cause uh, lung cancer and uh, alcohol doesn't cause drunkenness and alcoholism and so on. And so you've got all kinds of corporate junk science uh, where former big uh, pharma reps, esteemed medical journal editors, and governmental scientists, many of them actually confess the shocking truth that a large amount of the published scientific data out there is totally fraudulent, often sucked out of the thumb, manipulated, distorted, simply can't be trusted, but they got paid a lot of money to produce these studies, which get published, and basically you can see it's a veneer. It's a veneer that looks shiny, but un underneath it's a lot of biased, concocted research with a pre-peer-reviewed stamp on it. You get fake research. You get fake uh, immunity and all of that too. Well, what about fake food? There's so much out there um, that is not real food. So true immunity is derived from a lifestyle and diet and what quality of exercise and sleep and nutrition you get. And 
what you need for good health is fresh air, clean water, healthy food, regular exercise, positive attitude. And those are the five things for health care. Medicines are actually sick care. But so much of our food today has become processed and packaged and full of preservatives and plastics. It's essentially fake food. America's become the biggest producer of fake food in the world. It gets churned out of a factory, not grown so much on a farm in a field. It's full of artificial flavors and synthetic tastes. Like vaccines, some of these are even derived from aborted fetal tissue, like Pepsi was forced to admit. Some foods are so refined, so overcooked, they barely have more nutrition than a piece of cardboard. And when you add genetically modified organisms or GMOs into the mix, you have a final product that's so engineered and processed, a product that is far removed from what our ancestors knew as real food. I mean, you go on a farm and drink some real milk that hasn't been pasteurized and so on. You drink some real, you eat some real food that's that's been made, homemade bread. You can't compare the processed junk we get in the cities with the real stuff that you can get if you're out in the farms and, and so on. And not only that, you can think how these GMOs are leading to organ failure, infertility, and cancer, which is all genetically modifying us. The amount of pesticides and hazardous chemicals in our society and in our food stuff and in the water often, it's bad. Just as you have fake food, there's also fake water. Real water's flowing and alive, and you can find a mountain, stream, or river, and spring water, but most of our drinking water today is dead. It's passed through metallic pipes, treated with chlorine, fluoride, toxins, contains remnants of antibiotics and glyphosate and big pharma drugs. It's It may keep you alive, but it's not exactly helping you to thrive. We need fresh water, but the amount of synthetic drugs being flushed into the waterways, drinkers in many cases are undermining their health because remember, we're 75% water, and it's so important for us to have clean water, fresh air, healthy food. There's a lot of fake choices. And so much, we might have hundreds of TV channels and 25 flavors of frozen yogurt. But when it comes to running um, society, all the major candidates for different political offices seem to have almost identical policies on major issues that count. And how can you speak about real choice when this one politician's but both support the current rigged monetary system, centrally owned, privately owned Rothschild central banks like the Federal Reserve, that's not a bank that has no reserves and is not even federal, and the constant wars and military base acquisitions and crony capitalism. Where is the real choice in society when you can have prime ministers who nobody actually voted for? There's fake money. Stephen Mitford Goodson once directed South Reserve Bank, documented in his book, A History of Central Banking and the Enslavement of Mankind, that uh, these things are fake. It's not real money. It's a bunch of pieces of paper with ink and digits typed into a computer. It's fiat currency. It's just money decreed by government, but it's not real money. We used to have pr- real money used to be gold and silver and, and real things that, that had intrinsic value. And for ease of convenience of travel and so on, there was paper promissory notes. I promised to pay the bearer on demand one pound in gold. And now, well, that piece of paper represents nothing. And in fact, right now, uh, one pound uh, can't even buy what one cent could buy uh, about a century ago and so on. Our money has become dross. The founder of the Rothschild empire, Meyer Amschel Rothschild, said, 
Give me control of a nation's money, and I care not who makes its laws. His son, Nathan Rothschild, said, I care not what puppet is placed on the throne of England to rule the empire. The man who controls Britain's money supply controls the British empire, and I control the British money supply. And the thing is, our world is unlikely to substantially change until people realize the power of the money creation and demand to have it restored to public control, to real value, um, either under the government or some more decentralized way. But the first step is to realize how fake our money is. We have a fake economy based upon hypersonic rise in debt and borrowings. The United States of America owes a staggering $18 trillion. Now, you know, $1 trillion, if you think of $1 notes packed in double stack pallets uh, with a ton on each pallet, uh, it would fill a football field. Um, it would be bigger than the wingspans uh, of a 747 uh, jumbo jet. And that's just $1 trillion. America owes over $18 trillion. It's, it's a bubble. It's a fake economy. And constantly borrowing money from tomorrow, from the next generation, just to stay afloat today, well, it's a bubble. It's bound to crash sooner or later. We have so much that is fake. We have fake democracies. We have fake accounting. Government corruption in Africa, according to the African Union's Task Force on Corruption, 33% of the gross domestic product of Africa is stolen by governments. Government, literally government uh, theft, uh, the fake welfare, fake governments, governments that are meant to serve the citizens, fake republics, fake democracies, fake elections, fraud, failure, and farce, with the introduction of rigged electronic voting machines leaving no paper trail. How can you trust this? Joseph Stalin, the dictator of the Soviet Union, says, it's not the people who count, who, it's not the people who vote that counts but those who count the vote. The people who cast the votes decide nothing sits on. The people who count the votes decide everything. We have fake elections. We have fake votes. We have fake governments. We have fake presidents. The film Uncounted did a great job exposing how rigged and dysfunctional the deep old voting machines are. And then you can see the film 2000 Mules. In addition to rigged voting machines, consider how there are fake debates on mainstream TV where elite favored candidates are fed soft, easy questions. What flavor of ice cream do you like? And so on. While anyone challenging the establishment is maligned and sidelined, given less airtime, hit with personal attacks, unfounded accusations, and hard loaded, damned if you do and damned if you don't type of questions. We have fake national security, uh, where the elite hides the actions under uh, apparent secrecy for national security, while they actually are organizing assassinations, invading other nations abroad, taking other people's rights domestically. This national security has nothing to do with making you more secure. It's all about making the elites more powerful by entrenching military secrecy and contracts, making you more insecure by taking away your rights and liberties. Think of the vast amount of information kept classified under lock and key. Everything from sinking the Lusitania, the Catan Forest Massacre, the Yalta Agreement, Operation Keelhaul, Operation Ajax, Martin Luther King files, cancer cures to free energy devices, all of which the public deserves to know and has a right to know. Yet fake national security prevents people accessing these information for generations. Fake education. True education is learning how to think critically, how to question everything, to check the context and the source. True education stands in stark contrast to indoctrination, which teaches pupils what to think. Fortunately, I had a history teacher in Rhodesia, my first history teacher in high school, Mr. Reese Davies, who said, beware the victor's version, beware the fake history. He was already saying uh, to me right back there in 1973, um, 
wartime propaganda morphs into peacetime textbooks. Don't trust the textbooks. Don't accept the public narrative. Always look for the context. Go for first stage eyewitness documents. Do your independent research. Wartime propaganda becomes peacetime textbooks. Governments lie. And it's so true. We need people who can think and think outside the box. Well, we have fake law. The Bible is quite clear. Real law is based on biblical law. Magna Carta is based on biblical law. God's law is foundational. All human authority is limited authority, delegated authority, answerable to the creator, answerable to the eternal judge, almighty God. Any law not grounded in and consistent with God's law, as revealed in the Bible and summarized in the Ten Commands, is not valid. All valid law is rooted in God's law and is consistent to the word of God. But just like many other aspects of society, we are surrounded by an entire system of fake law. And it's outrageous. We have fake rights. <laughs> Where is there a right to abortion, to perversion, to blasphemy? No, suddenly you don't have real rights, but you've got these fake rights. There's so many things that we could say. <laughs> False flag, uh, fakes, and uh, that's another story entirely. That deserves a uh, whole time. But we have fake history. Karl Marx said the first battlefield is the rewriting of history. And have his disciples ever been busy? We should beware the victor's version. George Orwell observed wisely, whoever controls the present controls the past. Whoever controls the past controls the future. We've been fed with so many lies, which is why I've been compelled to write history books like Sketches from South African History and Great Essential Reformation, Great Essential Missions, Victorious Christians Who Changed the World. And we've done programs here on Herbert Hoover's Freedom Betrayed, and Patrick Buchanan's Churchill, Hitler, and Unnecessary War, how Britain lost its empire and the West lost the world, and uh, on the bad war. It's so important that we know real history because there's so much fake history out there. There is so much that we are being attacked with that is fake. And living a fake life is like eating junk food. <laughs> you can't get enough no matter how much you eat. It's not very satisfying for long. We are seeing an explosion of fake videos, fake people, and Facebook even said it deleted 2.2 billion fake accounts in three months. 2.2 billion fake accounts on Facebook? A Pew survey discovered that two-thirds of tweets on popular websites came from non-human users, bots, automated accounts. We are living in a world of fake polls, fake experts, fake fundraisers, fake think tanks, fake influence, fake information, fake vaccines, fake pharma. It's so important that instead of trying to fit into this fake world, we need to be true to God. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose for him. Dare to make it known. Instead of sinking into what's fake, we need to stand up for truth. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Back to you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. I, the breadth of today's show is astonishing, but it's so true. I can uh, think of anything that you said that I could disagree with. It is literally fake everything. And I'm reminded of that. Um, this is the one that uh, regular listeners will know. I always muddle up William Colby and William Casey. Well, it was the one who said, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to say William Casey. The one who said, we will know when our disinformation program is complete, when everything 
the American public believes is false. Now, I think the quote I just gave you was, was verbatim. Verbatim, I don't think I was paraphrasing, but I always get those two people muddled up. It's uh, frustrating. A bit like when you a certain word you just never goes in. You always end up having to check it uh, on, on the internet before you write it. Uh, I used to have that problem with necessary. Never knew if there was two C's or one, but uh, now I do it. That's gone in. Um, that being said... One thing we're going to cover before we go is a fake visit. Uh, King Charles's rather first official uh, visit from another leader. Let's just see what uh, the Daily Mail headline says. Charles will host first state visit as King today when he welcomes a South African leader to UK. Monarch will be joined by Queen Consort and Prince and Princess of Wales for ceremony and banquet at Buckingham Palace. This is, of course, South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa. I don't know who I could go to with more knowledge about that than Peter. So, Peter, what can you tell us about the fakery of this visit? Well, it's very fake. I mean, first of all, Britain at the moment is heavily involved in promoting the war against Russia, whereas Ramaphosa and the Southern government are firmly allied with Russia. To the extent that we host their warships in Table Bay Harbour, we refuse to um, boycott or sanction Russia. In fact, Russia is one of our biggest trading partners in South Africa. And uh, South Africa has military agreements with Russia, so much so that recently the biggest Russian nuclear uh, aircraft in the world, um, uh, a Tupolev, I think 72, uh, landed in South Africa after flying nonstop from Russia to South Africa, refueled and flew back. And uh, uh, I, I've been on board their, their large battle cruiser. Uh, that was in Table Bay Harbor just recently. And uh, uh, recently there was a big thing in the news just a couple of weeks ago, Britain getting all upset with South Africa because we were meant to um, confiscate some Russian yacht that was visiting Table Bay Harbor. And South Africa refused and said they don't uh, enforce EU or NATO um, sanctions, they only enforce UN uh, sanctions. And so there's been a lot of hostility and anger and clashes between Britain and uh, South Africa over policy, economic, military, political, and all sorts of things. And South Africa is firmly on the side of Russia in the sense of, of the BRICS alliance and economics and military and so on. So to just read this Daily Mail report where it's hunky-dory and South Africa is the UK's biggest trading partner on the continent. We have ambitious plans to turbocharge infrastructure investment and uh, uh, trade and tourism, security and defense. Yeah. It, it sounds like we're allies, but in fact, uh, South Africa is most certainly not an ally of Great Britain at this moment. And uh, uh, the one thing that is possibly true here, they say how they are discussing uh, the infrastructure and energy in South Africa. Britain was part of an EU bribe recently. I'm talking about this year, just a few months ago. Uh, the EU gave the ANC government of Ramaphosa a $9 billion bribe. That's billion, not million. $9 billion bribe in order to close down our biggest coal-using energy plant, Kamati. Uh, and uh, it's, it's just colossal. It's the biggest uh, um, um, energy plant in the continent. And they closed it down to convert it to green energy. And we were uh, the government was paid to do this. And uh, it's led to nonstop power failures. We have four power failures a day now. Uh, we're on stage four power failures. And this is um, as a direct result of closing down perfectly good uh, coal plants, uh, fossil fuel plants, uh, to meet green energy 
uh, goals of, of the West, even though it's it's meaning that literally for several hours a day, we without power, and, you know, whether you're running a restaurant or a factory or a home, you can imagine the disruption to work when everything suddenly goes dark for uh, two hours several times a day. And um, this is this is about the only thing that I think South Africa is cooperating with Europe on, uh, is on uh, making sure that we have more power failures. Uh, but uh, to read this news, this is a good example of fake news. Uh, every impression you'd get from reading this article <laughs> would give you a false impression. Back to you, Andrew. It would indeed. Uh, what a great um, article and sad state of affairs to, to close on. And I think that you can, if you didn't cover it, fake climate change, fake uh, we're going to make your yes. world better. Um, it's all... Peter summed it up better than anybody. Malefica Scott was talking to me off air and he absolutely loved Peter's uh, description of these people as watermelons, green on the outside and red on the inside. This is how, I think Paul English said as well, that after communism fell, they decided to keep it alive as environmentalism. So all the policies of communism are basically justified because we need to protect our environment. But it's all about taking your rights away, stopping your free speech, limiting your access to energy, food, all these different things that the communists did is now miraculously, coincidentally happening under environmentalism. It's the same people, folks. Peter, any last comments on that before we go? Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, we have fake crises. And let's bear in mind that the real crisis in this world is that the people in this world are living in rebellion to Almighty God. We have governments and people who have rebelled against God, who are violating God's laws. And that is the real crisis. And uh, all these other so-called crises, climate change and so on, they are distractions from the real issue. We need to get back to God. We need to repent. We need to. We need a new back to the Bible reformation. We need to pray for a fresh spiritual revival. Um, what their global reset is rebellion against God. It's basically a great revolution to try and make a classless, uh, nationless world with a one-world government, a one-world economic system, and a uh, interfaith, one-world religion. That's what Revelation 13 warns us about, and that's what the Great Reset is trying to do with us. So we need to recognize the Bible warned us about these problems ahead of time. The only solution to these problems is from God in the Bible. We need to get, get back to God and to back to the Bible, get right with God, and that'll help us to have discernment. As Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Back to Andrew. Thank you, Peter. And before we go, can you please let the audience know where they can find your work and uh, how they can contact you? Yes, my email is peter at frontline.org.za. F-R-O-N-T-L-I-N-E dot O-R-G dot Z-A and our website is www.frontlinemissionsa.org frontlinemissionsa.org and uh, I'd love to hear from you um, peter at frontline.org dot Z-A or check uh, out us on the website. You can also find Frontline Fellowship on, the, uh, on Facebook, on social media. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Peter. Fascinating information today as always. Folks, you have been listening to a presentation entitled The Real Story of Standing Up for Truth in a Fake World. I want to thank Peter again for joining us today. I want to thank all of you for listening. Have a wonderful day and bye for now.